Hey, this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, back once again uh, with another awesome podcast for you. Uh, I deliver this directly to you uh, just so that you can learn and um, hopefully you're enjoying them. And I know you're going to enjoy this one uh, with Chris Amrine. He is on here with uh, Insurance is Fun. And I'm going to get a little bit more to him in just a minute. Uh, but uh, I guarantee you, you're going to be laughing. You're going to have a fun time. You're going to find this guy very witty and you're going to find some great characteristics of him that I find as well. Um, he's been a very important person in my insurance career. Before we get on to that, though, I do want to give you out a couple announcements. Uh, Customer service is just foreplay is going to be coming out here relatively soon. I just got, today is uh, March 30th, and I just got the uh, notification at 7.30 this morning from the editor saying that she was done. Everything is done. Um, There's a couple things I have to add, but nothing big at all. And then we are going to be rolling it to the formatters, and then hopefully then to the the press and getting it out to you. Um, You know, I'm glad a lot of you uh, listeners, you've been with me through this whole time. Heck, we've changed the name of the book. We've done a lot of things. Um, I have to personally tell you, this has probably been one of the hardest things um, and the thing that I've had to grind the most on. I mean, there has been some up and downs in this and I mean, seriously, I have worked on accounts for two to three years uh, that I never got uh, that were a lot easier than this thing here. But I want you to know it is coming to fruition. Uh, I will be uh, releasing the website that is almost done as well. That'll be talking about it where you can get the first three chapters for free. Um, And actually, Chris, uh, who's going to be on today, has actually read the first three chapters and uh, so it's just not like I'm playing favorites with everybody. I only have released the first three chapters because I just wanted to let people get a little taste of it. So customer service is just foreplay. The customer experience is what will set you apart. So that is very, very important, and I appreciate you guys being patient. Also, want to introduce, I want to let you know about our mastermind. You guys have known and heard me mention the mastermind every once in a while, and I got to let you know, know that uh, we put a renewed effort into the mastermind here about four or five months ago, and we're growing, folks. And if you're interested in anything that has to do with the mastermind, go to growprogram.com. Up in the top right, you're going to see you're going to see programs. When you do the drop down, it'll be mastermind. It'll tell you every everything that you need to know. I personally had an agent last Thursday email me and tell me, and he's only been part of the mastermind for two months, and he's told me that he just wrote a huge account based on doing some of the techniques that some of the other agents had shared with him. He went in there, he asked a question specifically about these real estate developers. Um, he had a, There was a couple other agents in there who gave him some great feedback. He took those ideas, he applied them, and he just wrote a nice little $15,000 real estate developer and he's going after the E&O right now, which he said is probably going to be about the same premium. So right there, he was uh, accountable for about $2,500 in commission, and he's only been in it for two and a half months. Had another agent by the name of Josh Lipstone email me a couple weeks ago and tell me that uh, the price that he that he's paying for this is too cheap for the value that he's getting. And I I didn't request that. He just came out of nowhere and said that. So a little bit about the mastermind. We meet on the second and third Thursdays of every month at 10 Central Standard Time. 
and we have speakers on. Every once in a while, we'll collaborate together as members, and we'll discuss different topics and ideas through slideshows or whatever. But but mostly we have last week we had uh, Mike Stromso uh, from Agent Profit Mastery and he did an unbelievable program for an hour and keep in mind guys if you want to go see this guy live it's going to cost you about four hundred dollars for a ticket um, being part of the mastermind we bring him right on he gave us his presentation and you were able to ask him questions one on one on on April 9th, I believe it is is going to be Marcus Sheridan the sales lion which if you don't know him I used to be the chairman of the national uh, young agents and we got him to speak and he was thousands and thousands of dollars for him to come speak so he's going to be coming on and we can ask him questions we got Steve Anderson coming on who's going to ask us or who's going to do a presentation on everything there is to know about management systems so I will let you know just to be a mastermind member it's $74 uh, a month and that just kind of keeps helps uh, keep all the the maintenance and the website and everything going it is not a free it is uh, does cost money Money. It's sponsored by Grow. And we also have a Facebook group where everybody just sits in there and mingles and talks. And we got some big wigs in there. I mean, there's some there's some high profile people that once again you have to pay a lot of money to go see, and they're right here at your fingertips. You can post a question and they may a- answer you in 15 seconds. They may answer you in 15 minutes or 15 days, but you'll get an answer from them. Chris Amrine, our guest today, is actually someone who is in the mastermind as well. Um, and he is a uh, he's a guest. He is one of the free guests. Because I know Chris, I reached out to him and asked him to be in the mastermind, and he accepted. And that's what I just try to do. That's if you keep in mind, it's agents influence. I try to use the influence that I have and that other agents have across America to bring you the resources and the tools that you need to be successful. And we also like to take your voice and we like to amplify it to the world so that other people can learn from you and keep this industry, the best industry God ever created, keep going forward and evolving because that's what we have to do to provide financial uh, uh, security to our agencies, our employees, and most importantly, our families that deserve it the most. So that's enough of the speech. I do want to say one second. Thanks for the reviews on Face or on uh, iTunes and thanks for the reviews on uh, to the uh, Stitcher. Excuse me, I about forgot about that. So with that said, in the meantime, let's go! <laughs> Jason Cass back uh, again, and I, I know you love the music. I got a new song coming up here pretty soon. Uh, I'm not going to spoil and let you know what it is, but stay tuned because it's another little jam that you're going to like. Um, before I get on, there is something I forgot to mention. We are at our two-year birthday. Agents Influence is two years old. One, two. Yep, 24 months. And uh, I couldn't have done it without you. We've done 64 podcasts. This is going to be number 65. Um, so feel free to go back and look. We just put up a new jukebox player on our Grow website. Brand new Grow website coming within the next uh, four to six weeks. And you can go on there and it allows you to find a lot of other podcasts we've done a lot easier. I listened to the feedback and a lot of agents said to me, Jason, make this a little easier for me. So I have. But with that said, here we go on to Chris Amrine. Uh, Chris Amrine is the CEO of Insurance is Fun. Now, um, Chris, before I, I, I introduce you and, and, and just let you say hi, I want to I let everybody know that 
back when I was in the uh, going to a convention, I would say it's back in 2003 or 2004. I he heard Chris speak at uh, at the Independent Insurance Agents of Illinois uh, convention. Illinois, I said Illinois, and I live here, Illinois, and. Um, I heard him do a presentation that uh, absolutely blew me away. And the way that he talked about insurance coverages and about being in the business. And you're going to find out that he's very uh, knowledgeable when it comes to music and movies. And the way that he intertwined it together um, really was a major, major point in the many um, points in my career that I believe took me and shot me to the next level of where I needed to be. Ever since then, I've heard Chris speak three or four more times. We shared uh, some pretty good times, I believe it it was in 2013 at Brand Camp in Boulder, Colorado, um, where I, I finally delivered to Chris how much he really has meant to the success that I have. Uh, there's about five to ten gentlemen and, and women that I know um, and uh, that have really been instrumental, and Chris has been one. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce him to you, uh, uh, listeners and followers. This is Chris Amron. Chris, say hi to everybody. Well, hey, and I don't know how to follow that. Well, no big deal, Chris. Thank you. You, you wow. already accepted it. You decided to be on the show, and we appreciate it. So, so Chris, Chris, tell me a little bit. Uh, like, um, well, first of all, first of all, you can't say the app that you think. But are you an iPhone or a Droid user? iPhone iPhone. Okay, so the rest I of the listeners. I have opinion on that, but I'll ignore it for the day. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. That's fine. So have all the listeners. I'm an Apple guy. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. At the end, they're both very useful and productive tools uh, for any business owner or anybody today. So tell me the last uh, the last app that you downloaded um, on your iPhone or on your iPad. Oh well, on the iPad, which I probably use more often. Uh, probably. Well, actually, it might seem strange. I was thinking about. The last one I actually physically downloaded on the iPad is called Shark Bridge, and it's a bridge. It's a card game app. Okay. I, want, uh, I used to play a lot of bridge when I was in college, and I got away from it. And now I'm trying to build some of those things back into my life. And I thought I need to figure out how to brush up and see how lousy I've gotten. So it's a great <laughs> app. Gives me a chance to practice, and it's pretty cool. As far as productivity, though, just right before that, I downloaded a thing called Scanner Pro. And uh, it's really cool because I scan a lot of stuff for receipts when I'm traveling and I've got to send, you know, invoices to groups that I speak for. And they're always saying, you know, can you put it digital or whatever? And usually I'd have to bring it home, put it in a flatbed scanner, make sure everything's clear. And now literally I can just take a picture with my iPad while it's sitting there on the table and throw it away. Turns it into a PDF or a GIF file and I just email it to them. Oh, fantastic. So fantastic. I'm Oh, for productivity-wise, it's outstanding. I hadn't, and it works so much easier than I thought it would. To go back to some of your uh, Internet of Things stuff, it was very much a pleasant surprise. So those were the last two. Yes, 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 yes. Internet of Things, and actually, so that the listeners know, it was the past couple podcasts that I've really been beating up on the Internet of Things and Google evolving into the industry, where Chris actually um, sent uh, somebody else an email, who then cc'd me on the email and some of the thoughts that they had had when they were younger <laughs> in their career, and so uh, that was what made me think, like you know, this is a perfect time. I have uh, this summer of marketing. Chris is going to be coming up, and I was going to. Bring 
bring you on then, which I might bring you back, um, because I'm going to be doing for three months just stuff that has to do with marketing, and that's brand new to the listeners to know as well, but it's going to be pretty interesting. So um, tell us, start back at high school, college, and give us a two-minute scenario of where you are now and how you got there, and, and let the listeners know more about you. Well, I will preface it by saying, who knew? Uh, you know, it's, 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 I always tell people when you're going forward, you feel like you're lost in the woods. And when you look back, it looks like a straight line. But well, uh, I like that. When yeah. I got out of college, I was going to be a teacher. But uh, then this little thing called children showed up and I realized <laughs> possibly a little more filthy lucre would be in order. They were greedier <laughs> than I was. But uh, so I started looking for the job and I always loved personal finance. I took a lot of it in college. My dad was a realtor and uh found out life insurance companies would run anybody out for at least a few months. So I got in with John Hancock back in the early 70s and uh, just thought, wow, this is great. Well, then John Hancock got into the PNC business, like a lot of big life companies. They beat the banks in by about 15 years. They all decided that auto and home was a license to print money. <laughs> so they all jumped in. And, of course, today you realize how few of them are left because they learned a lesson and ran. Right. But that's how I discovered property and casualty. And when the tide went back out with the life companies, I stayed on the beach, joined an independent agency, uh, became part owner of that agency eventually. When we sold the agency, I found out there was a market for teaching, which was my first love. Uh, but in this case, instead of being high school history, it turned into insurance. And the rest, as they say, is history. There was a huge demand. I when I went to work for a trade association, the Florida Association of Insurance Agents, for quite a while, worked my way up there. Eventually, we adopted a little boy that brought us to D.C., so I spent a couple of years with the National Big Eye as their VP of Education, and then went out on my own, started my own company, Insurance is Fun, and Amrine and Associates of the two, and just travel around the country and just, you know, love it. I, I don't like to travel as much as I used to, but I love being able to get in front of people and you know what you just said to introduce me is you know that's the payoff the the money's okay but the payoff is when you can see that light go on in somebody's eyes and you go you know what things are a little better than when I first showed up so um, I've actually pulled off the road quite a bit now right now I'm uh, podcasts or, or I wouldn't say that webinars are me uh, a few years ago I probably did three webinars total this year I'll probably do close to 70 wow holy moly and it's a dynamite format. It's different skill sets, but still the same knowledge. Um, but once I got hooked, I went, wow, I can do this, and I don't have to be sitting in O'Hare watching my flight get canceled again. Oh, my goodness. You're this right about great. that. So really now I'm probably more digital, if you, to use your term, than I used to be. Uh, so anyway, that brings me up to today. And in between that, I did a lot of writing. I've done textbooks. I do monthly articles for what used to be Asian Broker. Now it's Insurance Journal. And uh, and get a chance to hang out with people like you, which is what makes it cool. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, the feel feeling is mutual. Um, so, what kind of webinars are you doing uh, specifically? Is still coverages, still the same things you did when you were speaking, just now in a digital format? Yeah, it's primarily that because what drives a lot of the webinar demand, of course, is going to be continuing education credit. Uh, but I do a few every year that are as you said, their sales or their management or their uh, customer service things that people aren't going to get credit for, but they still want the topic. But the vast majority of them are coverage-based. And, you know, I like doing ones with a different twist. Like I've got one uh, It's called, uh, you know, uh, what's that, Bippity Boppity Booze. And it's 
what you can do in a three-hour webinar, but you wouldn't be able to do in a live one because who would come? But it's basically analysis of a business owner policy, some key things that uh, you're probably missing in business income, and then uh, the latest developments in liquor liability. Where can where could someone find out more about that? Um, well, actually, most of them, since they have to be approved for CE, are through FISCE.com, which is Florida, it stands for Florida Insurance School of Continuing Education, which, uh, okay, you like family, I'll plug family. My son owns it. <laughs> he didn't used to, but when he bought it, and I said, you know what, I'd love to work with you. So, uh, awesome. Real hard. He's now in about 15, 16 states that have gotten CE approvals that are working with him. So, you know, to me, that's where it's going. I, I still think the live is great, but it's just, uh, you know, people are getting so used to convenience when and where they want it. And I love the idea that I'm sitting in my home office in Virginia, just outside of D.C., and people in Hawaii are, uh, you know, attending the class and commenting and asking me questions and getting credit. It's cool. It is, it is cool. It is cool. It is cool, and it just doesn't. It just doesn't work that way. It may start that way to get people used and comfortable to, to, uh, to webinars and to a digital, you know, presence and speaking to people digitally. Yeah, but you know, it's gonna, that's that kind of format is what's going to flow over and already has flown over into into the relationship between the agent and the client, and and not only so much the agent to the client, but also I believe the agent to the company. I tell a lot of my uh, territory reps all the time, I say, well, why? First of all, I don't have a lot of them that come see me anymore. They want to call me on the phone, which is fine. I'm, I'm completely fine with that. Um, but I also am like, you know, why don't we do some videos so I can actually get to see what you look like and you can see me? I think that's the one hang up um, that we've got to move to more of a video is, is that 85% of all communications nonverbal. And, you know, that that's something that sometimes we miss. I think someone like yourself, and I'm not saying it just because you're on the podcast, but I think someone like yourself is the exception in the fact that you can be witty um, and, and people can kind of picture if, you know, I'll tell you this a lot. I get this from my staff whenever we are not on video because, for instance, everybody knows I work out of my basement and my staff is all over America. Um, they tell me that it's very hard sometimes to to have a serious meeting with me because they can't see me so we have to go on a video and the reason is is I joke around a lot but I don't let you know I'm joking until you know the uh, the, the tension set in I guess you could say and then they find out I'm joking and so sometimes it doesn't make for the best situation which has taught me about the same using the same thing using these digital tools with my clients and how important that could possibly be you, oh, you, you ever run into that? Oh, it's huge because you're, I mean, think of how many flame wars break out, you know, over the years because people don't, you know, it's like 5,000 comments fly by before the guy comes back and goes, I was kidding. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, and then you, so now we're getting into the uh, emoticons or uh, emojis, I guess they call them, where at least now you see the smiling face with a wink and you go, oh. Exactly. But, but you know, you bring up something just to, for a second. In the shifting over, a lot of my compatriots that, you know, travel and do what I do, really don't like webinars. And the reason is, and you touched on it, and it, I think it ties back to your Internet of Things and part of what's going to be the difficulty in the transition. It is a different skill set. Uh, all the things very quick. I mean, like when I'm in front of a group, one of the things you learn is you don't plant your hands in the podium and stand there. You know this. Yep. You got to walk around. You make eye contact. You got to be engaging. You got to have an energy level. And all of that operates against you. Like first time I was recording videos 
for an, uh, a management operation and wanted to put some of my stuff down on video so they could offer it to their members. And the guy brings me in. He says, here's the tape on the floor. Here's a chair. You know, this is it. Do not move from this point. And I was like, it freaked me out, you know, because I was like, I kept trying to flinch. And he goes, cut, you know, because the camera's looking at your ear, you know. And I realized, believe it or not, Chevy Chase, you can steal something from anybody. I remember reading an interview with him a long time ago about uh, one of the things he learned on TV was you've got to realize the camera is the only person in the audience. And ah, it feels like funny, that. but you look directly at the camera the whole time. And that worked for me. And to show you, with as one of those old guys that looks at some of the younger ones and goes, we had that idea 30 years, you know, I yep. love those guys. But, uh, but I'll tell you what's helped me quite a bit. And I've also passed it on to my son because I remember that I grew up with old time radio. Okay. And the DJs to sell AM radio in those days was all personality. The guys created these personas. Uh, you know, you had the Grease Man, you had the Big Ape, you had, uh, um, you know, these guys in Miami where I grew up, the Seven Whoopi Brothers and Roby Young. And what they did, and old-time radio guys had to do, since they knew they couldn't see you, they had to, their skill set was how to create a picture in your mind. Ah. And, in fact, they could see, uh, another one of my things about technology is it's no good unless you do something you couldn't do without it. One of the things they learned in radio was they created these incredible images. And then when they went to TV, if you go back to early TV, what you find is all of the early TV shows, they brought over the stars from radio. They were known commodities. Everybody wanted to see them. And most of them flopped because all they were doing was their radio show with a camera on them. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until guys like Ernie Kovacs and Steve Allen came along and did stuff that people had never seen before that it was a different skill set. What can we do here that made no sense there? And what do we got to quit doing there? Because the sound effects don't work when you can see the guys just banging a bunch of pans. Right. Yeah. You know, it. and also the thing is, is I think there's a little bit of that is I'm listening to you. I'm building my own image of my head of who you are. And then when I see you in real life, it, it, sometimes I imagine in a small way, it's kind of a letdown because it's never as good. It's kind of like reading the book and then watching the movie. You know, it, it was never, it was never the same, you know? Yeah. Cause your imagination could be far more fertile. Oh, absolutely. Now, one second, one second. I want to jump back to something. You said technology. It's no good unless, what was that? I want to write that down. A technology, well, <laughs> again, it goes backwards. Every time something new comes out and it's going to solve the world's problems, uh, you know, my question is always, but what can you do with it you couldn't do before? For example, there was a study done after uh, computers came out and everybody talked about spreadsheets and word processing and how great it was. And it turned out, you know, when they did the surveys and Bill Gates laughed about it, the number one use of personal computers was to play solitaire. <laughs> that He said that turned out to be the killer app. Everybody asked me about solitaire and how cool it was when you won and all the cards went zing zing. And he said, it's humbling, but whatever sells. <laughs> That's true. But, and when people first came out with, uh, you know, portable phones, which, you know, the big bricks before they got them down. Right. They did a study about two years after they came out. Oh, they'd revolutionized the world. The top three things they were doing with them was calling home to find out what they had for what they needed to pick up on the store on the way home. Calling in business, the number one use of them was to call and tell them they were running late. Wow. Okay. The second one was to call to ask for directions. And I thought, 
this, in other words, what was funny is that's exactly the same three things they used to do before they left the office or from pay phones. Mm-hmm. They haven't, the only difference is they've changed the location of what they're, they're doing what they always did in a new location. Or with a different tool, that's correct. So, but it's now when, like when Jobs came out with the iPhone, which changed the whole smartphone thing, you don't have to like him, but he sort of reinvented the whole thing. Yep, you're right. And he'll admit, he says, you know, Apple has always been great at coming out with a tool and then being stunned at what people figure out what to do with it. Um, and you know that from like YouTube and stuff. It's mm-hmm. People do stuff that's just totally whole movies. And then other people do stuff that is so incredibly creative. And you think, wow. And and you've touched on some of it in your Internet of Things discussion is, of what can we do now that I couldn't have done before? Like you're mentioning that you're running three agencies now, basically out of your home basement. Correct. That wasn't possible in the sense of staying in your basement. What was possible 40 years ago would have been to get a Rapid Raider, which was a rating manual back in those days, pre-computer, put it in your car and you could have driven all over Illinois. Gotcha. So a virtual agency in those days would have been operating out of your car. And you're able to operate out of your basement, but then that also means that you're no longer limited by gas, driving, exhaustion, hotel fees. The rules are off. And that, to me, that would be an example of we can now market across the country. If you go back 25, 30 years ago, the typical agency's marketing area, you could have drawn out on a map, and it was almost consistently an hour and a half from their agency. I could, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's basically how far you were willing to drive, spend some time, and still get home that night. Uh, if it was outside the hour and a half, I'm sorry, I'll refer you to my buddy in Chicago. You just, it wasn't going to happen at all. And now I love it when an agent comes in today and you say, "What's your marketing area?" It's that could never have been done before. Absolutely. And that's phenomenal. And eventually, the licensing laws have started catching up to it because. Uh, again, as has been referred to in some of your Internet of Things, which I liked, is the existing bureaucracy is always going to fight against it because they like the way things are. Yep. That, that's their turf. And the biggest problem we've got from seeing the virtual revolution, many of the things that you've talked about, which I love, is been regu- is going to be regulation. The states don't like it. Yep, they don't. They don't. And, uh, you know, when you talk about regulation... Um Gosh, that goes back to something that your son's doing um, and the CE approval. It's very, very frustrating. And I was just uh, actually at an Ivan's conference, uh, not last week, the week before, and I was talking with a lady who uh, runs an association. And one of the things that she's very frustrated with, and I hear it all the time, is that they can't get approved for CE for anything that has to do with marketing or sales. I mean, a little bit of sales, but not a lot, but like marketing and advertising. And to be honest, I think that some of the biggest uh, unknowns, some of the biggest, uh, you know, some of the, of the biggest uh, dangers um, that come when are when agents don't know how to market correctly or they do and they're being deceiving to the community or they're being deceiving to the community and they don't even realize it. 
and and I think that uh, it once you know you hear a lot of people say we're no longer insurance agents we are actually marketers who happen to be in the insurance business or as on Internet of Things John Chambers said chairman of Cisco you're going to be a digital business who happens to be in the insurance sector retail sector whatever well regulation needs to catch up with that when it comes to CE on the states do because if I'm going to be a digital business that's outside of that's outside of coverages which is what they love to approve CE for and when you think about it like if I don't know how to do that or I'm not doing it correctly that's going to adversely affect the business but most importantly the consumer and and I don't know when they're going to do it I know um, Phil Lackman who is our um, he's now our exact acting executive director of the big eye here in Illinois but he used to be our legislative head I used to talk to him all the time about this and seriously he was beating up the DOI saying you've got to start you know getting improving CE for other things out than coverages you know we get so much coverage information from our from our um, from our companies it's ridiculous and I'm not saying that it doesn't need to be needed but there needs to be a sector that says okay we'll allow three or five hours of the 30 hours you have to get every two years to be um, part of marketing because it is um, it's a major issue and you're talking you're dealing with people who are salespeople who have never really had to worry about marketing I say all the time Chris and tell me if I'm wrong on this that I believe that insurance agents are not bad business people personally, uh, purposely, and I believe they are bad business people. And for all you listeners that are listening and disagreeing with me, I'm sorry, but you are. Um, and and the the bad business people, not because they're just bad, it's because they were good salespeople who really were kicking butt and usually probably thought, hey, I'm only getting fifty percent of the commission. I should probably get a hundred percent if I do this on my own. So they went out and anytime you know the expenses in the uh, start to outweigh the income, they just put it in high gear and go write some more business. And and that's not how you can really truly run a business. You just can't keep it by saying, hey, we don't really care what's going out the back door. Or we don't care about the expenses as they're rising for you know all of our office expenses and so and so. We'll just go write more. And I believe in the world that today we're getting where every the 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 expense the expenses are increasing so much while the income level is falling, whether whether that may just be the amount of clients you can find during competition, tr- rates being driven lower, or commission being driven lower. I believe that that margin is becoming smaller, so that mindset today is not necessarily working as, well, I'll just increase the income and I'll be fine. What, what are your kind of thoughts on, on some of that? Am I wrong? Am I right? No, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I'll just tell you, I've told people before, and I might have mentioned it in one of the things that I did with you. When we were running our agency, you know, back in the 70s, that's exactly what the problem was. We had all come from producer backgrounds, and basically, you know, our our lead strategic entrepreneurial thought was we should keep all the money. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can't say there was much strategy beyond that. I can't say there's much wrong with that. (laughs) But what it turned out to be was we were great when we had a small operation, but it, in those days, if you were going to keep writing business, you were going to have to grow physically. Uh, so we pretty soon we're, we're kicking butt and taking names. We're up to two locations and 23 employees. And one day Earl and I are sitting looking at each other and going, when did we go to work for them? Because what we were trying, we were doing the greatest year we'd ever had, and we were basically covering overhead. Yep. Uh, it was unbelievable. And we realized at that point what we needed was somebody who knew how to run a business because we weren't it. 
<laughs> I wish we'd have figured that out a lot quicker. We'd have made a lot more money. But that I think you're exactly right on that part. To, to go back for a minute to the CE, I can tell you there's a little bit of history behind that. When they first came out with the CE laws, there was group. There still are, but I don't see them as much. But there were a group of uh, people that were doing seminars eight days a week all over town called Fred Pryor. And they were the ones that were teaching Windows 3.0 and customer service tips and how to take notes and, you know, I mean, just anything that somebody would pay to go to. And the fear, and I remember being in on discussions in Florida when they were developing the CE stuff, was that if they approved things like generic, what they called sales, marketing, customer service, that everybody would end up going to Fred Pryor. Ah. And they wouldn't be taking the coverage. And plus, just to add one other thing, typically in an insurance department, the only expertise they've got, and again, not picking on anybody, it's their background, is coverage. Ah, so they sense. said, how are we going to know if this guy's just, this customer service class is a bunch of bull, or if it really, but coverage, that we understand. And I actually had one last week when my son was going into a new state for his webinars, and I got a letter that I could have gotten 40, 30 years ago from a state insurance department, and it was actually an E&O class. And they wanted me to show them what policy provision I was tying each of my summary points to. Holy thought, moly. Boy, talk about, you know, in my mind, caveman thinking. But, uh, and I've argued the same thing. I appreciate what you're trying to do because I've talked to regulars and said, look, the whole point of CE laws was to improve the customer. It's the customer experience. Aren't they the reason you pass CE was to protect the customer? What would better protect a customer than have a competent agent running a good business where they're not hungry for revenue, so they're not going to be greedy and lie to you and you know have the tendency to, and then knows how to deliver the service. Right. They go, well, yeah, but, and then they talk about how they can't approve it because it's too generic. Well, and I think dicing it up could help because like they do with us uh, in Illinois, at least we have three hours of ethics that we have to take, you know, and so like maybe not mandating it, but saying, okay, five or six hours of those hours you have to take every two years, we will allow them to be marketing. You know, so if you want to take it, great. If you don't, I'm allowed to still go do that. But also, I mean, where I think that, I mean, I think if we really, really bit bound together, like the big guy and the PIA and all these associations, it's hurting their their classes. It's hurting their webinars and the fact that they can get more CE. The, the people come to the classes that provide the CE. Bottom line, you know that. Do you even mention that before? So if we could allow that to be something more entertaining than just, you know, um, basics of personal lines insurance coverages 101, you know, um, I think that that's going to help. And so, uh, but like I said, they're, they're trying, you're trying, we're all trying. Hopefully, you know, something, the influence that your son's business could have, I think could really, really help because, because, you know, the, we're, we're having, you know, when we have mastermind, the, 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 the mastermind group that even you're a part of here, we don't sit around and talk about coverages. No, we talk about, Hey, look at this flyer. Does this say anything wrong? You know, um, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I've got this opportunity here. How should I market to that? How should I sell that? Um, Hey, I've got some uh, producer coming in. How should I be paying them? You know, what are the best practices for accounting? Those type of things. And those are the things that we can't get help for on CE so we don't go to those classes. And that, I think that's just so detrimental. I really well, do. And you've hit on something. I mean, uh, the, introduce the whole idea of human behavior and what people do opposed to what they say. Um, you know, I mean, I've seen it both ways. I was at the, a state convention and 
they apologized to me because they'd asked me to do a breakout on raising your level of productivity as a producer. It was sort of a combination of sales and marketing and time management and some customer service stuff, but they they couldn't get it approved. They begged, pleaded, sold their firstborn. <laughs> they said, I'm so sorry. We got three other webinars running, you know, and if you don't have anybody, we'll pay you anyway. <laughs> I went, well, whoever shows up will obviously be interested. At least I'll know that much. Well, the place was packed. Wow. I mean, they packed it, and they, the lady who was running the convention came in and says, I don't understand this. And I thought about, you know, Yoda in Star Wars, you know, and that is why you fail. <laughs> the presumption of the people who will have this conversation and say, oh, I hate it. It's all driven by CE. Isn't that sad? Have totally bought it. Mm -hmm. They're not willing to even try something different and realize that, you know what, if 50 people go to the breakout on coverage, but 10 go to the one on sales, you've struck a blow. Those 10 people are there for one obvious reason. They want to be better. That's true. That is... I would rather talk to that audience than the one who's in there going, I'm going to get credit for this, right? Right. Um, which, you know, is, is it, it's the nature of the beast, but it's the, the human behavior thing. Uh, it fascinates me. And then going back to the technology again, which I know is one of your favorite subjects, I'm always just love finding out what people are actually doing with devices compared to what everybody who's selling the device tells you they're doing with them. Yeah, they're inventing it. I'll give you an example. It sounds silly, but it just fascinated me. I was in the Detroit airport and I see these two teenage girls. They're obviously traveling with a group of students and they're looking at one of their phone and then they put it down and they dig around in their luggage and they, you know, do their makeup and stuff. And then they look at their phone and then they do some more. And I finally realized what they're doing is they're taking pictures of themselves <laughs> to see if they like the way they look. And wow. Post it. It's like, you know, old time Photoshopping, if you will. And I thought, you know, the old compact mirror is gone. They want to know how they look on the one thing where it counts, which is how all their friends are going to see them on Facebook and mm -hmm. Snapchat. And I just thought I had never in my life thought that you'd use a phone as a mirror. Yeah. And actually, I have used it as a mirror, but usually it's the reflection coming off the glass. So why I'll... not go one step further and look at the actual photo, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I, I think it's actually, it's pretty sad, to be honest with you. We won't go down that road. But I know there's people who sit there and just take photo after photo until they get the right one, perfect one to, to, to post. And I'm not going to say I haven't done that. Like, you snap it and you go, holy cow, that was terrible, and you redo it. But there's some people that, like, they, they'll literally take, you know, 10, 15, 20, and now they even have these apps that allow you to stretch your face or thin your body out and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, wow, are you kidding me? You know how upsetting it's going to be when I first meet you for the first time and I'm like, hello, oh my God, you look nothing like you did in all of those You look moments. different on TV. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see, that's the thing that I love because nobody, and I don't think Jobs, you know, Steve Jobs being included, ever thought that the phone would turn into a camera. Yeah. That's probably the number one use of the phone now. I don't, I know very, I know tons of people never talk on their phone. It's a texting camera. Absolutely. Especially and, the young ones. The young ones. Yeah. Uh, well, you're right. But I mean, that's why I, you know, you get excited about the future. And I think the cool thing is I don't know what somebody's dreaming up right now with this thing. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we run into things and we're like, oh, man, we need this. And I always sit there and think to myself, yeah, well, some some uh, girl or guy is sitting in their mom and dad's basement right now really trying to figure this out and they're going to get it before we even do. So whenever we turn to the um, excuse me, listeners here, we've already been in this 38 minutes and Chris and I are just enjoying ourselves. So I hope you're enjoying this. Um, but the the Internet of Things, you've, you've mentioned that a lot. And, and, and as you know, I mean, it really really blew my mind. I mean, when I was watching Fareed Zakaria that morning and, and I've heard of the IOT before. Um, but it was just like when you really start to stop and you start to put it together and then you look at a lot of the things that are going on in business. And I mentioned before breakout by Newt Gingrich. I think that book was just so awesome. Um, and, and I mean, we talked about internet of things and how it's going to change the industry. And, and I think how it's going to change the world. It's not like it's just going to change the insurance industry. And that is one of the things that I find the most, the, the funniest, Chris, is that, you know, like agents are sitting there saying that all this is a fad or, oh yeah, there will be some changes or whatever. I mean, we have multi-million dollar corporations going out. You know, if the trickle-down economy effect trickle-down from the top-bottom works in the economy and works in a lot of other sectors and a lot of other analogies, I believe the trickle-down of change is going to work the same way. That's only congruent to the way that, uh, that Mother Nature or the way that society works. And when we sit here and we watch these, you know, these blockbusters exploding and, and all these different types of things going on. And we just kind of sit there and go, oh yeah, but we'll be okay. You know, we see Google jumping in, we see Mark Cuban, we see Zenefits, we see, you know, Amazon getting in and we sit there and go, oh yeah, I'm okay. You know, and it's like, it's mind blowing to me. And, and the listeners, you know, there's really not much I can say that they wouldn't be surprised with because they've heard it. But I, I really feel feel as, you know, as if 30% or more of the industry right now is what I call walking dead. I mean, they, they, they only have a pulse today because they have renewals tomorrow. If they were in any other business that didn't have renewals, they would, they would have been gone. They'd been gone like a couple years ago. They'd be bankrupt today if they were still trying to do the same things that they did 10, 15, 20 years ago today to the consumer of today and the way the business runs. And I think truly that it's renewals that is, um, renewals are some of their life support. I've never really said it that way, but that's the way that I kind of feel about that. Am I wrong about that, Chris? Am I right? I need your wisdom to smack this young guy back into place if I'm wrong. And I mean, <laughs> what do you think about that? No, I, first of all, I think your number is probably right, but I'm, there'll be new people coming in to take their place. So, yeah, I think there's turnover. I, I felt that way. And, again, I hate to sound like an old guy that it's just, you know, there, there's a line from, if you're into the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, and that's the problem. When And I really like the idea of the perspective. I mean, uh, one of the things you, you asked me earlier when we were talking pre about books and stuff, you sent me a note. And there was a book by a guy named Ken Fisher, and it's actually an investment book, and it's called The Only Three Questions That Count. And he's talking about investment, but I think it goes back to exactly what you're saying is, is uh, you're seeing something that a lot of people aren't. And yes, they're going to pay a price for it. I'm not sure I know for sure what that price is going to be yet, because I think a lot of agents don't understand where the world's going. But 
my perception is going to be this, and it goes back to something about the, the human equation. And you've actually touched on it with your customer service. It's foreplay, which, by the way, that is a change because if I had written a book 20 years ago and put the word foreplay in it, I'd have been run out of most cities <laughs> and most churches, actually. So, uh, boy, has th- have things changed. When I watch TV now, I mean, my wife and I are like, <gasps> did they just say that? You know, that's the problem we're struggling with. But the reason I mention that is, to my mind, technology that is, wow, eventually becomes invisible. I mean, when the fax mm-hmm. machine came out, it was like, holy cow, and now, I mean, fax? I mean, seriously, who besides my doctor's office still uses it, and banks still use fax machines, which I can't believe they still use them. Um, but, you know, when the addressograph came out, I was talking to an older agent when I was a younger guy, and he said, that changed everything, because now instead of handwriting everything, you could have the labels printed. Well, who thinks of that anymore? Yeah, So wow. my feeling, and PowerPoint came out. It was going to change the way everybody sold. Because now you're going to be able to go to clients' offices and, and show them pictures and slides. And and you know what? You have this wave when everybody goes, wow. And then you have this point where PowerPoint, duh. Who mm-hmm. isn't doing PowerPoint? Can we move on? And right. that's where the human equation to me will always triumph. So I'm not – I agree with you roughly on the percentages. But I think the ones that will come out better may not be the, the ones that get the technology as the ones who – maintain that in this world where I can find anybody anywhere, why you? Ooh, I like that. Yes. Um, Because it is all going to go away. At some point, you know, I told a guy, hey, get a website and the world will be the path to your door. Well, when everybody gets a website, now what are you going to do? When everybody, that yellow page guy has come to office, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I love John Chambers, but his comment about digital, I thought, well, everybody, that's like saying everybody used to be a yellow page business now what do you got to sell? Because that's where everybody went to find them. Mm-hmm. The SEO of its day. Well, when everybody's in the yellow pages, now why you? Well, then they started trying to sell you bigger ads. Because, well, if your ad's half a page, you're going to stand out. And I thought, these SEO guys are still selling yellow pages. I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking them. I'm no, not- it's true. It's a good way to look at that, Chris. And they make up these... The, the buzzwords, you know, the power words and stuff, if you go back to a final yellow pages, which I don't know anybody doesn't just recycle them anymore, but you'll see like wrecking companies that are more of a commodity and they'll have double A wrecking and then triple A wrecking and fourple A wrecking and all the A's across the page wrecking because once you all had the same page ad, your placement was based on the alphabet. So by adding an extra A, you four A wrecking came before three A wrecking. Right. It was the SEO mega tag of its day. It really was. That's a cool way to think of that. That is, that's cool. Well, that, the reason I bring it up, and, and sorry for taking a little extra time, is no. ultimately all those things that are cutting edge disappear. And what's left is, are you a good wrecking company? Did you show up? Did you deliver? Were you what I was looking for? And I think when everybody is found on the internet, when Google is sending out their... Ultimately, that's all going to seem so normal, and everybody's going to have an app on their phone. Now, by the way, let me back up. Being the first or the second or the third, take advantage of that temporary monopoly, as we call it in marketing. You know, jump on that wave ahead of everybody, but at some point, you better be ready for the next wave. Because five years, six years from now, you're going to look around, everybody's going to be on the wave. And now the question again is always going to become, why you? And let me just loop it back uh, real quick. That's one of the reasons I really like 
the kind of thing that you're doing, and this is not just reverse schmoozing, it's true, <laughs> is that because the only way, and I've done this in my talks and stuff, you keep ahead is not what's going on today, it's do you have the mindset that's always looking for what's going to happen down the road, because that's what's going to have you on the next wave before anybody else hits it. Right. You know, and, and I do, and, and I appreciate that. And that's one of the reasons why I started this was to get those, those ideas out. Um, I would go to these, these, these conferences and I'd listen and agents would come up to me and tell me their ideas of what would they think and what they see or this new program that they've created or got an idea for. And I'd be like, wow, have you, have you told that to anybody that is like, that's revolutionary. And they'd say, yeah, but who am I going to tell? You know, and it was like, man, I've got to give these people a voice, and 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 some of the things you're saying right now is the voice, and that I want to amp amplify. I think one of the differences, and 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 once again, I need you to settle me down and and let me know, put me in my spot. But one of the things that I think is different, Chris, is that, you know, it didn't take long for someone to realize they needed to be in the yellow pages. It didn't take long for people sometimes to realize the reason why they needed that fax machine, even though I think they pushed back on fax machines from what I'm hearing um, from, from the veteran agents. They pushed back on it for a while, um, especially even email. But, I mean, I was talking to an agent yesterday, and he was telling, not yesterday, last week. It was last week. And he's telling me that he spends over $18,000 a year on Yellow Page ads, and he told me that he doesn't see that changing anytime soon. And it's the mindset that really kind of scares me into what the way they're thinking. Like, uh, you know, it, they may be saying that it's just a fad, and I think they're comparing it to what you're saying. It's just another wave, and I'll wait for this to all calm down because they've been through so many of them. But I think that there's a difference that comes into you've these changes have to be made. And for instance, I mean, the, the yellow pages came out whenever they did, 60s, 70s, or whatever, and they got to be prominent. And then as people grew up, they just understand. My son is not going to go to the yellow pages. He doesn't even know what they are. It's really kind of funny. If I, I would, you know, I'm actually going to bring that up to my 10 year old here in the next couple of days about yellow pages, <laughs> see what he says. Um, but like, but even my 15 year old, I mean, he's not going to come into your office and, 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 and sit down and discuss his insurance coverages. He's not going to be, want to really even know who that person is. And, and, and that's sad. And I think he will, as he gets older, but I think where we feel as if, hey, you use us 80% of the time and the other 20% of the time you use us to just to make your payments or, you know, if you have any basic issues, I think that's going to flip-flop to where it's 80%, I don't need you, um, but when my son turns 16 and I need to re-talk about my limits or we have a kid and I need to now talk about life insurance, we're almost there when they need us. Um, and, and I think that that could be very, very few and far between. And I'm, and I'm having, I'm seeing a lot of these agencies who just don't want to make that jump. And I think that whenever, you know, you come out with the, with the yellow pages and then you come out with well radio and you've got billboards and you've got all that, that's offline stuff. And I think they're having a real hard time grasping with the online. Now, with that said, I, I I've also heard a professor, I can't remember where he was, what, uh, what. Uh, university was at, but at the uh, 2013 Big Eye Legislative Conference, he said for the first time ever in history, the younger people 
in the industry or in any business sector are teaching the veterans more than the veterans are teaching the young. You know, I think of the old Indian tribes where it was the chief who's the one who had all the know-how and all the experience. And the, you know, and the younger would sit around and listen about how to hunt and how to, you know, do the different types of things and how to understand where the buffalo were going, you know. But today it's almost the younger generation is teaching the older where the buffalo is going. And I think that that's one of the big changes that people are having a problem understanding. And then on top of that, we don't have enough young people coming in to tell where the buffalo is going. Do you see any changes in that? Well, I got two things. One, let me start yet. Yes, I agree that we need more younger people coming in, uh, even though I'm not the pessimist a lot of people think, because uh, I, I, you know, I might have mentioned it briefly earlier, but if I didn't, I was a history major and a history teacher. Mm-hmm. So patterns over long periods of time is is what I love. I mean, to look at history and see where, uh, you know, they say those who don't learn from history are condemned to repeat it. And there's a saying among historians that, um, you know, that those who don't learn, those of us who do learn from history are condemned to watch those who don't learn from it to repeat it. You know, it's like, it's so frustrating. Wow, I like that. So But here's the thing. I totally disagree with what that guy said because young people have always taught the old people. That's the best part of the job of younger people is to go, hey, I knew it didn't work 25 years ago. Here's why I think it'll work now. Old people, on the other hand's job is to bring that longer range perspective to go, you know what? The reason I got enough money to hire you is not because I'm an idiot. It's (laughs) because 30 years ago, I was probably you, and I want you to realize you're running a marathon, not a sprint. Yes, good points. The blend is the magic for me. When I can talk to, you know, I mean, let's just say I'm on the older end of the spectrum and you're on the younger, but it's the exchange of ideas where you go, you know what, That, that makes sense, and that changes the way that I thought about this. I'll do it better. But then I'm like, okay, what have I forgotten? Because my brain is so cram full of stuff that was true 20 years ago. How do I get rid of it? How do I realize things have changed? And that's, to me, the magic is that back and forth. Yes, I agree. But I, I, agree. I just, you know, this whole thing now about how the millennials, uh, I do a lot of generational stuff. And, you know, the, the idea that millennials are different, unique, and boy, there's never been a generation before. And you go every generation ever born felt that way which they should but don't let that crowd out the ability to listen to wisdom from older people any more than the old people ought to become ossified dinosaurs to think the world's never going to change personally i think the guy with the yellow pages and i don't know more of the story uh he's a dead man walking yes yes i did that one makes but now i have to add one difference to that if he is still getting business out of that and it's enough to keep him happy then leave him alone. I agree. I agree. And upon talking with him, um, it, off in his own good time. It, 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 he did. And, 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 you know, and the fact is, is that he told me and he was griping about how the, how much he's had to increase it is where we went. And it was over 18,000 because he keeps having to increase it. And he keeps trying right. to beat that dead horse, you know? Well, right. See, there's a pro- There's like 80 problems there. Chris Paradiso ought to talk to that guy. Yeah. Now, there's a little ROI here, buddy, but, but you know what? The message there is, and I'm afraid, and I don't know, but I'm, I'm a quick assumption, that he was trying to convince you, the, like, hey, you're wrong about this, that yep. it still works. Mm-hmm. You know what? 
what you need to go is, hey, I'm glad it works for you, but I'm going around you. That you know, you're you're right. It and, and the guy was a but great I, agency, yeah, you know, and he runs he runs a large successful agency, and and you know, so I can't, I can't, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. So that's that's that is the importance. There was one other thing I was just gonna throw out there um, that I can't remember now. Dang it. So, so Chris, upon wrapping this up, and I apologize to the listeners, you know, when I'm, when I'm delivering good material to you, I'm not going to cut it off. I usually try to keep these podcasts between 20 and 30 minutes long and we've been going 54 minutes. So no, 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 it's no big deal whatsoever. Cause this is great stuff. Um, but, but to, but to wrap it up, I mean, if you had to, uh, oh man, what I was going to say keeps coming back to me. It's just not completely there. It's just not completely there. I'm trying to think. So, anyways, um, so you have a podcast yourself, right? Am I am I right about that? Well, actually, there's something that Pete Van Artrek and I have been doing. Is the only thing I've been doing as far as podcasts. Okay, okay. And, and we do a thing uh, that actually uh, that uh, goes onto a a monthly CD. Talk about retro that we're trying to move to digital. Where we've been talking about it. It's a fun cast. We call it. It's he and I both work with insurance. It's fun. Uh, stuff and w- we do what you're talking about except you know generally we pick one topic spend about 20 minutes on it and it's just a conversation between two guys that love this stuff yeah he's a marketer yep and so you know he's never been in an agency full-time marketing branding i'm on the agency side uh spend a lot of time with agents and so again it's just a fun conversation we both really enjoy seeing how the other mind works it is this is so great and to be able to do this stuff and share it it's just part of it's just part of the connection. So, well, Chris, I got to tell you, I, I really enjoyed having you on. I'd like for you, I've got a couple ideas for uh, insurance is fun, specifically in the form of the marketing. Um, as you may have heard earlier, listeners, that the, that we are going to have the summer of marketing. Um, and so with June, July, and August, that's all we're going to do is is bring on some, some studs um, and some studettes into the onto this podcast and really discuss some some ways and we're going to be talking about old school tactics and we're going to be talking about new school tactics and 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 I think that it, you're going to really really like some of the people that I've got lined up but in the meantime to close it out uh, are you a reader I assume you are a reader Chris oh yeah yeah I I assume so unlike so, your IT buddy who seems not to read much uh, <laughs> yeah I read incessantly it's an old habit and I still do it. Uh, yeah, old Joey, he's one of a kind. So guy. what? What is? Uh, so what? What is your? Um, what's a book you're reading now, and maybe what's one you just finished? Uh, actually, I'm working on uh, two of them now, and the the ones I'm reading, the one I just finished, actually, is Think Like a Freak, which is from the guys by Freakonomics. Oh, really? Stink oh. like a freak? Well, they just yeah, that's what they call it. And if you're familiar with the book Freakonomics and the uh-huh. way they look at economical things through a different, it's what we've been talking about. I just love the fact that they look at what everybody else sees, and they see something different. Yep. And they just keep twisting it. Which is, by the way, one of those uh, books that I had mentioned to you before about the only three questions that count by Ken Fisher. It's an investment book, but one of the one of his three questions is basically, what can you see that no one else sees? Um, in other words, what what can you bring to the table nobody else can? And wow. I think that's what they do. And so they did the two Freakonomics books, and then they said how they wrote a book based on how they approach things, and I just loved it. Wow. Okay. Stink like a freak. Think. Think. Oh, like a freak. <laughs> I thought you said stink. I was like, wow, think. that's interesting. Think, think like a freak. Uh, okay. No wonder we had it. Just yes. <laughs> Plus, it has a reference. 
reference to old college times that I really like, but I won't. Um, uh, believe it or not, I'm also a history buff, so I'm almost finished with a short history of South Africa. And, wow, interesting. And I read Shelby Foote's Civil War trilogy about once a year, which is about 2,000 pages, because I'm endlessly mining that for uh, learning from what they did wrong because they didn't know what was coming. The Civil War is a great way of how do intelligent people act when they're missing key information, and yet they have to act anyway. And uh, wow, to me, it's just part. I mean, I love the history, but I love that idea of what can I learn from what these guys did before. So I've always got a couple of history books laying around, and then there's usually a, a you know, I like Jason Bourne books. But uh, but right now, Think Like a Freak's the one that's finished, and The Short History of South Africa is the one I'm finishing. Awesome, awesome. Have you read um, Big Blue Ocean, I believe is the name of it? Heard of it, haven't gotten to it yet. I, I keep hearing from, from people that I admire and look up to that I need to read that, and I think it's going to be the next book that I'm going to read. And so it's... uh. It, it's it sounds pretty interesting. So, anyways, we'll we'll get back with that. But but Chris, I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything that you'd like to you know kind of end with or kind of say or kind of let the listeners uh, know? There's probably around twenty two hundred of them listening to you. So, um, what do you what do you anything to say? Well, I mean, we could start. On that. I'll just end it with this: that uh, insurance <laughs> is fun is is my topic. It's not insurance as a joke. Um. <laughs> People sometimes get offended, and I always tell people, if you've been in this over 40 years and you're not having fun with it, then you seriously are on heavy drugs or need to find another job. Absolutely. So uh, I love the fact that you enjoy it, and I just tell people, it's a it's a marathon, and if you can't, if you're not in it because you basically enjoy the race, move on. We need more people that are enjoying it. We sure do. I find it fun. I that. Being with people and just playing with ideas is fun. So how can you not like this business? I, I agree. I agree emphatically. And it also gives us the financial freedom, the uh, the time, flexibility of time, um, and then, you, you know, and then just the, the uh, partnership and the, you know, the, the co-mingling with people is just... Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, I used to always hear people say, I, I, I've heard people raise their hand and they'd ask, you know, why are you in insurance or whatever? And people would raise their hand when I was younger in my career and I would hear them say, because I just love to help people. And I used to really think that was a cop out. I used to really think like, well, that's that's not why you're really truly doing this. And me personally, that's actually totally why I do this. And And that was really hard for me to grasp when I was younger. And it's, you know, it's about what you just said a minute ago, like the think like the freak is, is, and, and also the investment book, it's, it's, it's seeing those things that the normal person can't see. And, and it doesn't mean that I'm not normal. I'm just saying that the average person who goes through life and they're, you know, and they're just going through life and they're doing what they're supposed to. Insurance is no concern of them other than it better be there when they need it. And to be able to look at it and say, hey, I know the other guy down the road just said, hey, give me your policy and let me quote what you have. But after some of the things you've told me, have you ever thought about this? And when their eyes light up and go, holy cow, that could happen to me and that's very important. To me, I just help that person see something that they didn't see, just like the owners and the people of Circus Soleil saw you know a a a a, a, um, a circus with no animals and that was mind-blowing and it changed the way that people look at art and look at the way that they look at circus so I think that that in the end in a nutshell was helping people and and that's the way that I feel about that 
that's the way it works. Chris, where could they find you if they if they want to reach out, if they want to say hey, if they want to disagree or agree or just tell you that you're a good-looking guy? Where can they reach out to? <laughs> Skip the last one, anyway. <laughs> but uh, actually, my email is probably the easiest. It's just chris at insurancesfund.com. Keep it simple, just like insurance. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, hey, once again, listeners, appreciate you. This is number 65 as far as the podcast. Really, really appreciate you. Um, as I said, this was our two-year birthday. Um, and actually, I think it, it was literally like April 4th or something like that. So, you know, we're almost there, but we're we're a little bit before there. Actually, it was March 4th. Excuse me. Excuse me. It was March 4th is when I first had my first one um, on. And I had John Fear when he did behavioral modification, which, uh, you know, you can go all the way back to those. I've listened to a couple of them. They're kind of funny um, considering the terrible audio quality and we had no music and it was it was funny but boy we had a great idea and obviously it has worked you've been a supporter i appreciate you for all the reviews all the comments i love all the emails that i get from you guys weekly keep them coming jason at growprogram.com be sure to also check out growprogram.com growprogram.com you can see all of the different types of things that we have on there um a majority of them are absolutely free some of them pay just like the mastermind that was one thing i left out there the reason why we we have you pay is yes there's expenses but also it eliminates a lot of the riffraff there's a lot of groups out there on facebook that are very good helpful but i got to tell you it's the old 80 20 rule 80 percent of the people that go in there and discuss and say the things they're doing i just want to pull my hair out and i want to be like oh my gosh there's young people that are in this group who are listening to you and thinking that what you're saying right now is a good idea and it's actually one of the worst ideas i've ever heard and so to eliminate that and to keep the riffraff out and to keep the idiots out and to make sure that we are just just giving out good quality information from successful people. That's the reason why there's a fee. So please reach out to me at jason at growprogram.com if you want to know anything about the Insurance Agent Mastermind. Uh, it's a great pro- program and it could only get better if you're a part of it. So this has been Jason Cass uh, with Agents Influence Podcast. Be sure to tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. Thank you. Thank you.